Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today for OK Bloomer, Teach Me Sales. I'm Kelly Bloomer. And I'm Tom Bloomer. OK, Tom, you're our sales pro. In 30 words or less, can you tell us about this podcast? I'm going to try. You know us salespeople like to talk, Kelly. You sure do. All right, 30 words or less. Can you do it? Well, if you're a sales pro and you're looking to grow in your sales career, if you like good, lively sales discussion, I think this is going to be a show for you. I've walked your walk for over 30 years in sales. I've knocked on the doors and overcome the same obstacles I think you may be facing as a seller, a sales manager, and as a VP of sales. I currently help assess, build, and train high-performing media sales teams. Well, Cal? Yeah, you really went over 30 words. But I think it was good. I let's, do too. Okay, so I hope our listeners will be all set. And hey, let's let's roll up our shirt sleeves and let's let's get at it. So enjoy listening to Tom and his guests talk sales. So Tom, our guest today is not a boomer. He's not, Kel. And and Rick is going to be pretty happy that that you realized that and, and said that. Um, but he is. He's Rick Nichols. Um, one of my favorite teammates of, of the people I've worked with over the years. Rick and I have worked very well together. And, you know, in thinking about it, as, as we were going through and talking about the interview, it really came back. I, I think it was because you, know, you always knew how much he cared. Okay. You know, he, he cared about his clients. He cared about the people he worked with. Um, he was a sales leader with us for a number of years, and he cared about the people that he managed. And and it really got me thinking very nostalgic about, about some of the early days. And um, I don't know if you remember, one of my fondest memories back in the day was our, our ground round dinner uh, oh, after yeah. I had just jo joined Clipper. Yeah, the kids loved going there. They got their popcorn. They had a cartoon going on. It was a nice, relaxed atmosphere. We enjoyed the meal because the kids were enjoying themselves. Yeah, with with a, a fairly young couple, with yeah. a two-year-old and I think a almost four-year-old at the time, I don't think it was a better restaurant than than Ground Round. No. Everybody enjoyed it. But but that first time I remember, or that particular time we were there, I had just recently joined Clipper Magazine. Okay. Our premier issue came out, or it might have been the second issue, but it was real early on. Mm -hmm. And the magazine had just hit that weekend. And you and I go Friday to, to celebrate. The kids are there. Everybody's having a good time. We're getting ready to pay our check. And as we're sitting there, I'm looking around and several of the other tables, families just like ours, they're pulling out their Clipper Magazine coupon. Yep. I and, remember that now. Yeah, Boy, I was so excited. It just really made me feel good that, you know, not only are we providing for our family, but we're we're growing a company. We're helping business owners. Right. But we're also helping people save money. And, and you know, I think that was important to me. And, and I, I know it's important to Rick. And I think that's why we always hit it off. I'm sure. So shall we do the episode? Let's get started. All right. Hey, this is Ryan from Cary, North Carolina. Okay, Boomer, teach me sales. So we begin our interview with Rick Nichols as he tells us a little bit about himself. And he also shares how sometimes it can be so difficult to get the right opportunity with the right company. I can absolutely tell our listeners is, is a proven high performing seller and you've done it for a long time. Um, walk everybody briefly through how did you get started? Where, where did you first start in advertising and and, uh, and then we'll go from there. 
Um, well, thanks. I, I actually got my start in advertising. I came from the jewelry business, retail. And um, I went on a few interviews, tried to break into the, uh, the, the advertising business and, and kept, uh, I was being told that I needed to get some outside sales experience. So I started where a lot of people in South Jersey started, um, which uh, was called the um, uh, Shopper's Guide. That, that was, was the Bible the back in the, uh, the 80s Bible, and 90s. The newsprint, right? weekly, and you know, people lived by it. Um, they uh, they were nice enough, uh, gracious enough to give me the start, and um, I worked there for about uh, six months. And for three months, I was trying to leave that company because I got in at a time when the newsprint part of that of the, of the weekly business. Um, was really struggling. Um, so I, I kind of got my feet wet and, and got a little, ex little experience and um, went to uh, the newspaper business. Worked there for about a year, handled everything from local accounts to major accounts. Um, started to write, you know, I went from writing weekly contracts of $200, $300 a week to, um, you know, contracts in the hundreds of thousands of dollars with Best Buy. And at the time, Bradley's, if you remember that company, um, Circuit City, a couple of those are out of, are long gone now. But um, see, you're not a yes. boomer, but you're, but you are dating yourself, Rick. But go right yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's an exit, it's an exit. Um, so it, it's what I what I think happened at that time is it it really took away some of the fear of selling big accounts. Um, they were all big when they're majors, so. You know, to go from $200 weekly contracts to $250,000 annual contracts um, was, was really a jump for me. Then I found my way to Clipper because at the time when I was looking for a change from the newspaper business, also got in at the tail end of a, of a, of a business that was struggling. Um, I was talking out loud to my wife and just, you know, I've got to find something else. And she said, you know, why don't you look at Clipper magazine? And it, I, it struck me because she didn't care. She never does. Where I work, what I do, just don't sit home, watch Jerry Springer all day. We need you to go out and, and make yourself productive. Just, she's um, only asking for a little bit, Rick. That's just, not a whole lot to ask. Small, small thing. And, um, and, and, and it struck me because she mentioned a company that I was more than familiar with. Uh, and I said, well, well, why do you say that? And she said, well, that's the only one I like. You know, that's the only one I look at. It's the only one I keep. I said, hmm, there's, there's something to that. So that, that kind of that brought me into Clipper. And it's funny, I couldn't get hired at Clipper originally because I didn't have the outside sales experience. And um, I had to do an end around because I was going through human resources. I mean, who does that? Why go through human resources to get hired? Go to the person that does the hiring. So I had an in, I had a friend, we did the end around. I actually came to you via um, another Clipper salesperson, Gene Maitland, if you remember. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, from Philadelphia. That interview with you. We hit it off. The next year, I was rookie of the year. So, you know, and, and you've already brought some great insight to, to our listeners. If, if you're looking for that new career, don't go through the traditional channels. You got to find out who's the person that's doing the hiring. That's and not working. Yep. I, I got to find out how to get to that person. So that's fantastic. Especially if you don't have ideally the perfect resume that 
you know, that that particular recruiter is looking for. So, so then you start at Clipper, you've got some advertising background behind you um, and you're a rookie of the year, first year. How, how did that happen? How do you go from just getting started and into uh, a rookie of the year? I mean, ultimately for me, um, I was very lucky early on in my sales career that um, uh, my, my father-in-law um, bought me some tapes to listen to in the car. Cassette tapes, dating myself again. Uh, at least they, they, they weren't eight tracks then. They were cassettes at that time. Yeah. For, for the <laughs> listeners, I'll put in the show notes what, what a cassette tape was for, for those that don't know. So. Um, and it was, uh, it was um, See You at the Top uh, by Zig Ziglar. And there was a, there were a series of 12 cassettes, and I listened to them in my car every day early on. And the one thing that stuck with me almost from the beginning of my sales career um, was, was the phrase that you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And that resonated so deeply with me that it was like somebody gave me the secret you know, to, 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 to sales success. Um, oh, okay. So if I can figure out how to help customers get what they want, then it just makes sense that I'll get what I want. And, and, and many people, you know, may misunderstand that as, as being entirely transactional. Uh, let me get what you want so I can get what I want, but it's really not about that. It's a bigger, it's a bigger message in, in that, um, you know, sincere service to others uh, is the moral imperative, if you will, to, to your success. Um, and that's the way I've approached it. I've, I've just gone at every client in every situation with what can I do for them first, you know, um, and that's been to me that's that's been my the principle that I've lived by in sales for, for my entire career. Very good, and you know, I think the people that look at that as transactional, they don't get it, and and they're not going to be successful from that quote because they are looking at it to be transactional. But somebody who goes in and really says, you know what, I, I want to help my clients, you know, I want to help them grow their business and do that. And, you know, you sold in the same county for, for how many years with Clipper? How many years have you been in that county? Um, well, even prior to Clipper, two, two to three years. So I, about 25 years. Okay. So here, here's what you and I both know. If, if you were selling strictly transactional, you would not be able to go back to those same you know, a niche community and still be selling them advertising 25 years later, if you weren't building up a base of people that, that you were helping along the way. And, and it's one of the things I always love with that particular product is you're helping those businesses. You're also helping all the consumers, right? I'm, I'm sure as your kids were growing up and you're meeting people on the soccer field and the softball field, um, what was it like? Did you have a uh, People, when you told them what you were doing, did they uh, thank you for some of those offers they were getting? Yeah, so the, um, a, a, a key to, to that success was I, I, I had a great product and the product had great content and the product was reliable and it got results for the, for the customers, for, for our clients. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I, I volunteer a lot in town with the soccer board, basketball, baseball, a lot of the sports growing up with the kids. And um, when that subject would come up on the field, 
you know, the first response uh, was, I love that magazine. You know, oh, go get this customer. Why isn't so-and-so in it this month? And it's funny because I would share those stories with those clients and say, you, you got me on the hook, you know, with um, all these soccer moms because I, 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 your restaurant's not in the magazine or the, especially I remember this one called Kids Cuts, the little kid haircuts. That's it. That's what it was, you know, from, from their first haircut to, to maybe they were 10 years old. And, um, and it was a dollar off coupon. But I'd have moms going, hey, how come Kids Cuts wasn't in? I said, well, you know, sometimes they, they take a month off here in the summer when kids are out of school and maybe not getting their haircuts. And, you know, I'd go back to the client and I'd say, listen, when you're not there, it's like you don't exist. You know, so if you disappear, you disappear. Kids get haircuts 12 months a year. <laughs> and um, she ultimately became a, a, a 12 month client. But it's funny the the response and the feedback I get from uh, from people I knew neighbors uh, motivated me you know, to to get the right people in and to and to keep them there and make sure they were there on any Tuesday in March when someone went looking for it. It was yeah. so important, it, you know. And and I want to go back because you said something there that to me is is just so important. You're, you're talking to these moms, you're talking to people out there, and, and they're giving you a story, right? They're telling you about kids cuts, and then you're sharing that in your sales presentation. You know, how important is, is having those stories and getting that feedback and, and sharing those? Because I think a lot of people, they miss out on that storytelling part of, of sales. You know, it's, it's authentic when it comes across that way, and it's sincere. Um, when you talk about your business to um, your friends, your family, your acquaintances, um, and you share those stories with your clients, it, it comes across as genuine as, as could be because you're relating an experience firsthand to a customer. And um, it's, it's not coming across like a sales pitch, it's coming across uh, for what it is. It's a, a real conversation that took place and you're giving them feedback. You're giving them insight as to what their customers think and what they, what they feel. Um, so it's very valuable in that sense when you yeah. can share authentic stories with clients. Um, you know, it, I, I'm a huge relationship seller. Um, I like to, I like to know um, what my clients' goals are. I like to know what their needs are. I like to know what they're looking ahead to three years, five years, ten years from now, and um, and it gives me a little bit of a, a of insight as to how to, you know, where to go with that conversation if I know what their goals are. Yeah, you you said right in the beginning you, you want to help other people get what they want, right? And, and to have the success they want. If you're not asking those questions, if you're not finding out what their goals are, you, you can't possibly help them, right? It's true. Yeah. So, so go ahead. So yeah. I'm, I'm used to interrupting you over the years. So this, <laughs> this, is, this is your interview. So you interrupt me, go. So um, I, I wanna get back to a little bit about selling your, your um, ideas. To, to the client, um, you know, when you talk was that about my idea or was that your idea to go there? 
<laughs> I've never had an original idea, I, I don't think. I usually um, take bits and pieces of what I learned from other people's success and, and kind of mold it and shape it into something repackaged um, that might work for that particular uh, client. I, I would say that's a good idea though, Rick, but go ahead. So. Um, when you, you know, when you're trying to um, talk to a client about what their goals are and where they see themselves in three years, five years, what, what we can do for them, um, you're, you're learning about what makes them tick, what they, what they want. Y you, have to, you have to listen for that. And you, have to be, you have to explore um, conversation with them so that a lot of people, they like to talk about themselves. And if you, if you get them going, you'll, you'll, pick, you'll learn what those things are. And I always say, you never go in selling your product. Start with your idea first or the solution to what their problem is or what their, what their needs are. Start with that and then find something in, in your uh, suite of products that works for them. Um, but sell your idea, go in with the concept. People will buy ideas and they'll listen to ideas um, a lot more so than they will for the average person that goes in, and in our case, selling a half page or selling a full page. And I would always teach new, uh, new reps that forget about what you sell. Learn how to sell the, cu the customer's product. Be an expert on carpet and flooring. Be an expert on what the trends are in that business. Go out and, uh, and, and figure out um, uh, you know, with a with a with an ice cream store, what their margins are and what what products they want to push. Learn their business, and um, and you can help sell their business. Be an expert in selling their product first. So I love the way Rick is telling us and showing us how to learn more about our prospects, learn more about our clients and their business, and, and then bring them ideas, bring ideas that we feel can help their business. I asked Rick, where do some of these ideas come from? You know, well, there's, there's that phrase, ABC, always be closing. Um, in my world, it's always be learning. And ideas... Um, Ideas come through, you know, conversations. They, they come through reading books, sometimes about the, that, that subject, sometimes about entirely, an entirely different subject, um, talking to people. Um, I think that, uh, you know, what I've learned is, and through experience, is that you can take tidbits of every situation and, and find something to learn from. Um, the, I, I really don't know how to teach the creative process other than um, just open your mind to ideas that might sound crazy. All right. So, so let's talk now because, you know, I, I like where you're going. You, you want to do ideas first, which is great. Um, sometimes those ideas, when you get in front of a business owner, if they're a creative person like you, and, and those things come together, 
boom, you're, you're walking out with a sale today. But, but they don't always, right? I'm sure you came across some business owners that they're not the most creative person. So you're bringing them ideas and, and then they're, they're just looking at you like this. Yeah. What, how, how do you move it along when they're not grasping the idea you're bringing to them? So that, that happens a lot. You know, you get different personalities. When someone else is creative um, and they start, you know, um, investing themselves in your idea, that's magical. You know, it, it just, it comes together. When you can get them participating in, in the solution, it feels like they're solving it together, like you, you're solving it together. And, um, and those clients really end up being, you know, uh, long-term customers because they, they kind of trust your thought process. But the other, the, the other side of that is, um, you know, the, the client that stares at you blank, um, that, you know, well, I've always done it this way and I, uh, and this is the way it was taught to me. And this is the way I'm going to, you know, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, I, I also, I've never shied away from challenging a customer's thoughts. Um, and you tread a line between picking a fight with them and really getting them to think, you know, challenging them to think. Um, and I'm never afraid of doing that. And, and so I guess sometimes that's, you know, your, your strengths are your weaknesses sometimes. Um, but I've never shied away from challenging customers on why they think the way they do. You have to, right? I mean, to, to really be successful, don't you have to challenge their norms? And, 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 their and if way I'm invested in it, if I'm challenging them, you know, if, if I'm, it, it should come across as I'm their advocate. You know, I'm, I'm working on their behalf, not to sell my product, but I'm, I'm hopefully making you rethink what you thought originally uh, so that we can get to a, a solution that might be better than, than what you thought it would be. And, um, and because I truly am, uh, I truly feel like I'm working on behalf of the customer, um, I don't mind that. I don't mind challenging you. I don't. Um, and I think in the long run, they'll respect you for, for doing it, or they'll throw you out. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, I think they they respect you ultimately. Yeah, and and if if they throw you out, they were going to throw you out at some point. So yeah. let let's get that done and over with, and and let me go find somebody who who's going to respect what I do and 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 want to be a partner there. Um, sounds to me like you need a certain level of confidence, and and you mentioned early on, you know, you started to get that confidence. You you went from the uh, the smaller sale to some of the bigger sales. How important is confidence to to your success? Um, it's, it's paramount. Uh, we all, you know, we all have, um, you know, those, those, we get those butterflies sometimes when we're with a customer, especially if it's a, you know, a high value client. Um, Rick, I still get those butterflies. I got those butterflies before we started taping today. Do they, do they ever go away? They, no, they're, they're flying around all, all over the place right now, but hopefully you're not seeing, <laughs> seeing, um, but, but tapping into confidence, when you tap into something that you know you've done successfully before, um, it, it translates. You, got, you have to draw on, on your past successes. Um, that's what gives you that confidence. You know you can do it. You've done it. 
So, um, you know, I, I always used to say too, that you should, you should wake up every day with um, sales amnesia, you know, forgetting about all the things that went wrong. And, um, and, uh, and only concentrating on the things you did well. Um, that's what builds your confidence. You're like a, a closer, right? A relief pitcher. I just gave <laughs> up three home runs. Everybody no-showed yesterday, but yeah. this one, I'm striking this one out. Right. And so I, I walk into every client with a song going too. Like, here I am. And I walk in real slow, you know, <laughs> with my theme music in the background. So I got to know, what, what's your theme music, Rick, right now? What's, what's the song playing? Uh, well, I, I've an eclectic taste in music. You know, of course, I like everything from Barry Manilow to um, Rage Against the Machine. So something in there, it's, it that, just depends on the day. <laughs> that's a pretty good, pretty good mixture there, right? But um, tapping into that confidence that, you know, you've been there before. And, um, and owning it, you know, owning that experience. I, I think one of the things that always helped me early on and, and you mentioned your, your Zig Ziglar quote, quote, I never minded going in and getting confrontation with a business owner. I always walked in supremely confident because I knew I had the right intentions. You know, I, I was never going to go in and here's an idea for you that I flat out know was going to fail, right? So I'm not going to be in business very long if I'm going to sell people things they don't need or bring them ideas that I know aren't going to work. But, but I'm willing to get confrontational when, hey, I've seen this work. You know, I, if you've done ads for five different carpet stores and you know how you've made them successful and you get in front of a carpet store, why not get confrontational if you think you're going to be able to help their business, right? That's, that should be what they want from every salesperson that, yeah. that walks into their building. Absolutely. Part of that success uh, or part of that confidence comes from your, your past success. And being passionate about what the, the, the product that we both sold. Um, I felt like if I walked into a client and laid out this beautiful magazine that I worked so hard to, to um, you know, to make so successful, if one of them insulted it, it, it was like they were insulting my, my kid. <laughs> like, I took it personal. Um, how dare they? Uh, because I, I, I developed such a, um, you know, such a strong feeling for, for my work, the product of my work that, you know, it, it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when they didn't see, you know, how, how, uh, how great it was, how magical and magnificent the product was. Mm -hmm. And, um, so walking around with something that I knew was successful gave me that confidence. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting as we're talking, you know, everybody has their own personality. Different people have what makes them successful. But when you're talking about the confidence and, and the motivation, the passion that you brought to it, to me, you had to treat it like your baby. Right. That had that that was critical to you then being successful in what you do. Uh, I'm sure you've worked with some salespeople that they did not approach it that same way. You know, they were not, it wasn't their baby, you know, but, but they could have been successful too. Right. So did, did you see other people approaching it a little bit different or was it everybody did it kind of your way to be successful? 
No, everyone has their, um, you know, their own formula that works for them. Um, I always approached, and this goes back to, you know, when I talked to the, the you know, some of the friends and, and uh, acquaintances on, on the field or, you know, my neighbors, is I always took the approach that um, I was, the, the, the most important person to me was not the company I worked for, was not even necessarily the client. Yeah, I, I never liked that about you, Rick, but that's, <laughs> that's okay, go ahead. <laughs> It was, it was my neighbor, you know, it was the people that lived in the next town over. Um, it was the end user. That, that was who I always thought about first. Um, and what their uh, uh, experience was going to be like when they received um, the magazine in the mail. Um, so I really got, you know, I really got into, um, you know, when I, I love the phrase own the own the customer experience, um, own it, live it, you know, have that sense of empathy for for what the customer wants. And and the customer to me, I, I always I had three. I had the, the person at home, I had the client that I was selling the product to, and then I had to make my other customer happy, which was the uh, company that employed me. But and my, don't forget, don't forget your wife wanted you off the couch you know, <laughs> making money, right? That's right. <laughs> so again, help other people get what they want and, and you can get what you want. But, um, you know, I always thought about the, the end user first and what their experience was going to be like. And I think for other salespeople, no matter what product, no matter what you're selling, if you think if you think past the sale and what the experience will be like for the person using the product, the end user, um, you get that right. Those other things line up. And when your client realizes that you want the same thing that they want, which is to please the end user, um, you're, you're no longer their salesperson. You know, you become, a, a very, very valuable research tool that happens to sell you know, the product that we sell. Hey, listeners, it's Kelly Bloomer here to tell you the show is brought to you by Bloomer Associates. If you visit our website found in your show notes, you'll find we offer sales training, talent assessment for hiring and team development, and individual coaching for sales pros and managers. We bring over 30 years in media sales and leadership experience. If you enjoy listening to OK Boomer, Teach Me Sales, ask how our team can work with your sales team for virtual meetings, roundtables, and motivational seminars. You can contact us through our website or call today, 919-267-9871. Now back to our show. So Rick and I had worked together for a number of years, overcoming so many different types of objections, the type of objections many of you are facing every day. I asked Rick here to kind of delve a little deeper into one that, that frustrates so many of us and we see on a regular basis. And, and that's when the client, after a nice presentation, says they just, they just simply want to think about it. They want to stall. Um, we have an idea. It could be price related, but they're just telling us they want to think for a little bit. I love where Rick goes with this. 
when somebody says they want to think about it, it's they're just it's a stall technique. You've given them all the all the information they have, the solution to their problem, um, and you said it's the investment, it's the money. So get right to it. Now you may or may not be able to do what they're asking you to do, but at least then you start talking about it and you move it again back to, you know, getting it done today rather than when a customer says they want to think about it for two weeks. When you go back in two weeks, you're starting all over. You're not going to pick up right where you left off. They're not truly sitting there nonstop thinking about it. I imagine they, they, they allocate time every evening, usually between six and seven to contemplate everything that you've told them for the next few weeks. And really sure. They probably have notes. They're, they're showing me a whole bunch of, of notes and follow so up they're going and, it, and it's the price. When you figure out what the objection is, in this case, a lot of times, obviously it is price. Um, once you start working on that objection, it doesn't mean that what I say at this moment is gonna, you know, if, if what would it take for me to earn your business today? If you like what you see, the, the product looks great and you're just held up on the price. Well, let's figure out the, let's figure that out there. Let's move forward on this sooner than later because timing is always critical. Let's move on this sooner than later and let's really work on what the objection is. This is price. Let's, let's, let's discuss price and then go now back and see if there's a. It, so let me ask you, so you, you talked earlier about you come with ideas, right? You, you want to sell ideas and not and not products. Um, as you're getting to know that client and, and working in, are, are you presenting ideas that potentially are at a couple different price ranges so that if you do get hit with something like that, it's like, all right, you know, we were talking about X. If that's a little bit of outside of your budget that's comfortable, you know, we, we could always go with why. Have, have you presented more than one solution or do you pretty much zero in on one solution? When it's, when it's a sales call um, for, for a new client, it's, um, it's typically one or two ideas, options. Um, I just, we just bought a dryer the other day. We had to go out and buy a dryer. And, uh, you know, I, there's, of course, there's the cheapest ones, then there's the, you know, the, the Bentleys of dryers, and then there's... I don't even know what that looks like. I can't even imagine what a Bentley of dryer looks like. It's taller like, but than me. It does everything. In, I, and some of them even fold clothes. It's ridiculous. Whoa. Anyway, you know, there's usually one or two cheaper, and then there's like one or two of the luxury, really high-end ones. And then everything else is sort of in the middle. That's where the bulk of the options are. So it's nice to make people aware when you're talking about an idea, what the, what the pie in the sky is. Um, and trust me, they already know what the cheapest option is. They can, they can see, they, you know, your customers are observing what you're doing the entire time you're making the, the presentation. And in their mind, you know, they're thinking about what's the most expensive. They're thinking about what's the least expensive. And they're trying to settle somewhere and, and the problem is the, the thing is the middle is really big. You know, the, the middle is where most people fall into, the, into a purchase. And what we have to figure out is where they are in that middle, high middle, 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 lower middle uh, the, of, of the solution that's gonna work for them. 
So when I'm talking about an idea, I like to show a few different things and read where I'm getting the most interest from. And when you pick up on that, you, then you kind of tailor your presentation uh, to that level. Yep, I, I love it. it. To me, it goes back to what you said earlier, always be learning, right? So you're talking, you have different ideas in mind, You've got to learn what, what are they going to be more, more receptive to. Um, one of the things I always like to do, because we want to build trust, you know, with the client, we want to show them things. Um, I would like to sit down with a client and say, you know, I would love to have you start with this. You know, maybe in, in, in our world back then, I'd love to see you doing, doing my front cover. But I know that, that I, I may need to build up some trust. You might not be looking to do that kind of investment today. Most of my clients usually start off a little bit smaller. And then once they see how I can change their business and bring in customers, then eventually they're, they're ready for that kind of an investment with me. So I always like to give them that, that pie in the sky. This is what you could do. But I understand if you want to start here, that's where a lot of people start. I, I think you need to give them that solution in, in a way that they feel comfortable saying, okay, yeah, this is, this is a good way to get started. Well, a lot of times they'll tell you, um, you know, if you're, if you're showing them some options, and uh, for us, it was the front cover, uh, a, a cover was our, you know, the grail. And I always uh, sold that cover. Um, with the idea, like, you know, you're, you, you want, you're going to want it, but you can't have it. You can never have it. You know, uh, it's a little, little negative selling there, right? To, to um, well, I, I, no, I want that cover. I yeah, don't care I, what I, it costs. People want with it what they can't have. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, that's, that's demand, you know, supply and demand. They, they want what they can't have. An effective sales presentation almost always involves really getting your client or prospect involved in the process. Rick and I began to talk about it, and he shares here some of the ways he gets a client really involved, engaged in it, and then some of the things it can lead to. But when I would talk about an idea to a customer, and we'd start, I'd start sketching it out, and I'd listen to what they, well, well tell me about, you know, what are, what are like the top five things that people know you for? What are the top five things that you uh, want people to know about you? And, um, you know, this, this is your bragging, you know, billboard here. So let's, you know, talk to me. Like, what is it? And as I'm kind of drawing it out, you know, visually for them, they're seeing that what they're telling me isn't going to fit in, in, a, in a quarter page product or a half page. What they're telling me, and, and a little bit of it is, is ego, you know, um, listen, with what you're telling me, you need to be a full page. This is how we have to, you know, this is how we, how, how we have to present your business. Um, so you get them invested in, in, in the larger ad or the bigger sale by, um, letting them tell you that, that that's what they want. And it made it easier for me to close those larger ads and more frequently um, because anybody can make a sale once, not anybody. A lot of people can make a sale once. 
a, a professional salesperson can make that sale over and over and over again. And I love what I do. I love it. It's my dad used to say, it's, it's a good thing your mouth works because your hands are useless. <laughs> well, you know, there is one good thing for, for the hand, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what watch are you wearing today? I mean, Ooh. I, I got to imagine if I ever need somebody to sell watches, I'm, I'm calling you, right? Yeah, this, this was, this was my grail. Cartier. Very Cartier nice. Yeah, it's my grail. I say I'm done now, but I'm, yeah. You know, you need to start a podcast, Mr. Nichols, <laughs> for, for watch enthusiasts. That is a niche. I mean, that's, that's a passion, them. right? I watch them a ton. I watch them. There's Federico Talks Watches. He's out of Miami. Highly recommended. Check him out on YouTube. <laughs> I want to hear Rick Nichols talk watches. So we'll have to talk. When you get some time, I think you need to start a show. Maybe he'll see this and invite me as a, as a guest on his show. And that's where I'll get my stuff. <laughs> I will send you the video clips and you could forward them over and we'll, we'll see what happens. So, you know, and, and I think that's, you know, we've talked about confidence, motivation, that passion. You, you really need to enjoy what you're doing. And, and I get the sense, whether it's watches, whether it's uh, direct mail advertising, if you're passionate about your product, I, I think you could probably sell anything. It's true. Um, you know, you you really have to uh, to buy into what it is you're uh, you're selling. If if you're not sold on it first, uh, it's you you probably could sell it, but you're probably not going to enjoy selling it. Um, you know, when you find a product that you believe in, it's, it makes it, it's easy. You know, it's, it's easy to talk about what you love. You know, um, it's a lot more difficult when you're doing it kind of half-hearted, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it's easy for people to talk about their family. It's easy for people to talk about their kids. And it's always been easy for me to talk about my job because I, I, I love the product and I love what I did. And I always felt like I was helping people. So. Very good. I, I think if somebody's listening right there, you just gave them the three or four keys. They need to look in the mirror and say, you know, am I feeling these things? And if they are, they're, they're in the right spot and they, they should be successful. Uh, Rick, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with our listeners. Um, there could be a listener right now in media sales that, that wants to talk to you more. So do you want to give a cell number they can call late night? Do you want to tell them how to find you on LinkedIn? What, what's the best way for somebody to reach me you? up on LinkedIn, uh, Rick Nichols, and my uh, cell phone is 856-264-7469. Whoa. I can help whenever I can. You, you don't I want help, that? You can't, say, you can't say help other people get what they want. And then not help them get what they want. I, I love it. I love it. And so you don't want me to edit out that number. That's here. We're good. Feel free. <laughs> All right. So um, I don't want any calls from your wife that she's upset about that number going out there. So <laughs> no worries. Rick, thank, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Great talking to you. So that's it. That's today's show. Okay, Boomer, teach me sales. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to subscribe and follow. We hope you make us a part of your week and don't forget to share with your friends and coworkers.
Should we mention the website? Sure. The website, okboomerteachmesales.com. And where can they engage with us? LinkedIn at Thomas J. Bloomer. We hope to see you there.